Yes, praise be to God. Thank you for joining us for our study of the Bible. Here we study the Bible. We aim to study from the book of Genesis to Revelation. We thank God for this new day to be in his presence, to study, because this is a day the Lord has met. We shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. We have done 23 books of the Bible. And uh, if you've not been able to listen to the podcast we've done straight from the book of Genesis, I ask you to please visit our app, that's Bible In-Depth Network, or any podcast platform, that is Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Deezer, name it, you'll be able to find all that we have done from the book of Genesis. We are now handling the book of Jeremiah, and we've done 38 chapters of this book. Today I want us to continue with chapter 39, and it says, starts by saying, Now when Jerusalem was captured in the ninth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah. Now this also implies already Judah has been in captivity for uh, those nine years. Because remember, Zedekiah is placed there as king by Nebuchadnezzar after they had uh, taken Jeconiah and a number of other officials plus some people of Judah into captivity. Now, in this ninth year, Zedekiah is the king of Judah who was appointed. Remember, the reasons why they are coming now to revolt or take over Jerusalem is because he refuses to pay tribute. He says he will not pay tribute to Nebuchadnezzar, hence trouble comes to them. So now they come to take them into captivity. And uh, it says in the 10th month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his army came to Jerusalem and laid siege to it in the 11th year of Zedekiah, in the fourth month, in the ninth day of the month, the city wall was breached. They put up some resistance, by the way, a period of about 18 months, they were putting up some resistance. But like Jeremiah had told them, this was not going to amount to much, yeah? They had been given a period to listen, go into captivity, accept and be taken by Nebuchadnezzar. They didn't listen, so they put up some opposition, and eventually it was breached. Then all the officials of the king of Babylon came in and sat down at the middle gate, Negal Saza, and uh, there are some others here, Samgar Nebu Sasekim, Sabasaris, Negalsaza, the Rabma, and all the rest of the officials of the king of Babylon. So these are the people who are leading the siege, the ones who have led this uh, revolt. And now they come in successful as Babylon. Now one of these men, Negalsaza, is mentioned in uh, this section. Some call him Neriglisa, yeah? And uh, he is the son of law. He is the son-in-law, rather, of uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, when he comes in with these people, of course, the leadership would always get people close to them to lead their armies. Now, Neriglisa, or Negalsaza, who is mentioned here in chapter 39, verse 3, he is one of the army people. He's one of the generals. Yeah? And he's being, we are told, being told here he comes, it's there after they've conquered uh, Jerusalem finally. 
Now, he's of important uh, history. He has important history with Babylon because, yes, he was a son of law, a son-in-law of uh, Nebuchadnezzar, but eventually, when Nebuchadnezzar dies, his son, who is called Ivo Merodach, takes over from Nebuchadnezzar. And he only managed to lead for two years as the son of Nebuchadnezzar. The reason is, this man, Negal Saza, he came and assassinated him and took over the throne of Babylon. So, he's here as a general, but in a short time, he was about to become the king of Babylon. And, uh, of course, uh, that shows you people have their plans. Yeah, they work, they come, serve, but then they have their plans. He he became the son-in-law for a reason. He knew that at one point he wants to become the king of Babylon. So you get the character of the people who came to take over Jerusalem. They were determined individuals, this man being one of them. So he comes, they sit in the center of Jerusalem, and they have conquered it. When Zedekiah, the king of Judah, and all the men of war saw them, they fled and went out of the city at night by way of the king's garden through the gate between the two walls. Now they are running. And he went out toward the Araba, but the army of the Chaldeans pursued them and overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho. And they seized him and brought him up to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, a tribbler in the land of Hamath, and he passed sentence on him. What Jeremiah said has come to pass. What Jeremiah warned him about has indeed come to pass. They've got him. He's now before um, Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king of Babylon slew the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes at Ribla. The king of Babylon also slew all the nobles of Judah. Listen what he did after that. Then he blinded Zedekiah's eyes and bound him in fetters of bronze to bring him to Babylon. Zedekiah has lost his eyes. This is something they used to do in punishment. If they've conquered a king or taken over a kingdom, sometimes they would do such to make sure they decapitate you, that you cannot do anything anymore. Now for Zedekiah, it's very unfortunate, but he has to lose his eyes before Nebuchadnezzar, and that's what is done. The Chaldeans also burnt with fire the king's palace and the houses of the people, and they broke down the walls of Jerusalem. Finally, the city is broken down. They are trying to keep hold of it, but it's broken down. They've burnt everything. It's ashes. Yeah. As for the rest of the people who were left in, who were left in the city, the deserters who had gone over to him, and the rest of the people who remained, Nebuzaradan, the captain of the bodyguard, carried them into exile in Babylon. But some of the poorest people who had nothing. Nebuzaradan, the captain of the bodyguard, left behind in the land of Judah and gave them vineyards and fields at that time. Now they got the poorest of all and said, we will not take you anywhere. This captain decided, I'm going to give you vineyards. I'm going to give you fields. Yeah, Of course, this is a good life for them that is, is standing now. They've been the poorest 
No, we've read a lot about the rich oppressing the poor in the in Israel. And God used to tell them about this lots of times. And he even went ahead to tell them that I have an eye for the poor, the orphan, the widow. Take good care of those people. Don't torture them. Don't oppress them. Don't steal their lands because those are the things that were happening in Israel. Yeah, the rich manipulating the poor, taking their property, taking their land. When they go to courts of law, they would uh, bribe the judges. Justice was not done. And we've read this numerous times while we've been studying. When they are being warned as people of Israel, do not oppress the poor. Do not take their property. Judges, be fair to the poor. Because you take bribes from the rich, you oppress the poor. Now what is happening at this time? All the rich have been taken into exile. All the oppressors have been taken into exile, into Babylon. Now, what the Babylonian captain does, this general, he says, you who are the poorest, stay and enjoy. Now, this meant they take over the property of the rich. Those who have been sleeping in small tents were now sleeping in the big houses of the rich. They were taking ownership of their vineyards, of their farmlands, of their fields. Yeah, They were having a moment of their own. God, yes, they've gone into captivity, but at some level, it was time for them to get some good time. You know, there's always promises of God to come and cater for your needs. For whatever you're going through, whatever trouble you're going through, there's always a promise from God that I'll come and heal your wounds. I'll come and wash off that pain. Now, this was the time for these poorest in the land to have their pain washed off. They were now sitting in pools. Yeah, They were sleeping in good beds. They were doing everything that they never thought would happen. But the reason and what is enabling it is the fact that their bosses, the rich ones, have been taken into captivity. So everything is available. The fields are there. The vineyards are there. So the poorest are given charge of these properties by the Babylonian captain after the overthrow of Jerusalem. And now Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, gave orders about Jeremiah through Nebuzaradan, the captain of the bodyguard, saying, take him and look after him and do nothing harmful to him, but rather deal with him just as he tells you. Now, the king of Babylon knows, of course, about Jeremiah. He knows about this prophet who has been on point exact who has predicted my victory over these people. And now he tells his general, make sure he's safe. Whatever he tells you, you do it. So Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the bodyguard, sent word along with Nebuchadnezzar, the Rabsaris, and the other general we talked about who would in the next few years become the king of Babylon, Negal Sareza, the Rabbag, and all the leading officers of the king of Babylon. They even sent and took Jeremiah out of the court of the guardhouse and entrusted him to Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, to take him home. Gedaliah here, remember, is the one who is going to govern Judah. He's the one who is be, who has been picked by the leadership of Babylon to administer Judah after Zedekiah has been taken out. And now, he's more or less like their king. 
yeah but he's been appointed by babylon now the word of the lord had come to jeremiah while he was confined in the court of the guardhouse saying go and speak to ebedmelech the ethiopian saying thus says the lord of hosts the god of israel behold i'm going to bring my words on this city for disaster and not for prosperity and they will take place before you on that day remember this Ethiopian we looked at yesterday, yeah, is uh, the Inuk that we spoke about yesterday. And the word of the Lord comes to him, but I will deliver you on that day, he says. He will deliver this Ethiopian, declares the Lord. And you will not be given into the hand of the man whom you dread, for I will certainly rescue you, and you will not fall by the sword, but you will have your own life as booty, because you have trusted in me, declares the Lord. Remember, this is the Ethiopian who went and talked to Zedekiah and told him, uh, Jeremiah has been thrown in a cistern. He's drowning in mud. Let's pick him out before he dies. These things, remember, we said were over 100 feet deep. So, for that which he did, God saved him. When you do good things for God's servants, there are some credits you receive. There's some blessing you receive. Now, this Ethiopian receives his because he helped Jeremiah. So, he's not going to be taken into captivity, but rather... Is going to be a blessed man. Yeah. Chapter 40. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord after Nebuzaradan, captain of the bodyguard, had released him from Ramah when he had taken him bound in chains among the exiles of Jerusalem and Judah who were being exiled in Babylon. Now, remember, we he has an order from, from Nebuchadnezzar to release Jeremiah. Let him be free. Yeah. Now he's being released, and the word of the Lord comes to him. Now the captain of the bodyguard had taken Jeremiah and said to him, The Lord your God promised this calamity against his place, and the Lord has brought it on and done just as he promised, because you people sinned against the Lord and did not listen to his voice. Therefore this thing has happened to you. But now behold, I am freeing you today from the chains which are on your hands. If you would prefer to come with me to Babylon, come alone. And I'll look after you. But if you would prefer not to come with me to Babylon, never mind. So, he has a free option. He has he can decide what he wants as Jeremiah. This is what the general is telling him. Yeah, And he says, look, the whole land is before you. Go wherever it seems good and right for you to go. As Jeremiah was still not going back, he said, go on back then to Gedaliah, the son of Ahakimam, Aki. Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, whom the king of Babylon has appointed over the cities of Judah, and stay with him among the people. All go else anywhere you want to go, where it seems right for you to go. So the captain of the boat of the bodyguard gave him a ration and a gift and let him go. He gives him some supply, says Jeremiah, cheers. You need to go wherever you want to go. We are not taking you captive as per the orders of our boss, Nebuchadnezzar. So, Jeremiah went to Mizpah. Now, Mizpah, at this point, is like the center. It's like the new capital of Judah. Because, remember, Jerusalem has been burnt down. Its walls have been broken down. The temple has been burnt down. There's no life there anymore. Just the poorest of all who are now enjoying the wealth of the rich that have gone into exile. So, Mizpah now is the center, and here is where Gedaliah stayed with him among the people who 
were left in the land. So Jeremiah goes to stay in Mizpah, the same place where now the new leader of Judah, who is Gedaliah, appointed by Nebuchadnezzar, is staying. Now all the commanders of the forces that were in the field, they and their men heard that the king of Babylon had appointed Gedaliah, the son of Hakim, and over the land, and that he had put him in charge of the men, women, and children, those of the poorest of the land who had not been exiled to Babylon. So, Gedaliah, by the way, is mostly leading the poor, those that have not been sent. That's how much Judah has fallen. It has fallen from the high officials to just having those considered the poorest of the land. Yeah. So they came to Gedaliah at Mizpah, and along with them, Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, and Johan, and Jonathan, the sons of Kareah, and Seria, and Ephi, Jezaniah, the son of Shaphan, swore to them, and their men saying, Do not be afraid of serving the Chaldeans. That's what Gedaliah is, is telling them. Do not be afraid of serving Babylon. Stay in the land and serve the king of Babylon, that it may go well with you. Now as for me, behold, I'm going to stay at Mizpah to stand for you before the Chaldeans who come to us. But as for you, gather in wine and summer fruit and oil and put them in your storage vessels and live in your cities that you have taken over. Likewise also, all, also all the Jews who are in Moab and among the sons of Ammon and in Edom and who are in all the other countries heard that the king of Babylon had left a remnant for Judah and that he had appointed over them Gedaliah. Then all the Jews returned from all the places to which they had been driven away and came to the land of Judah. Remember, when there was war, when they were fighting for those 18 months, people ran off. Now when they hear the war is done, Zedekiah is captured, Gedaliah is in charge, they decide to come back. So they came back and they came to Gedaliah at Mizpah and gathered in wine and summer fruit in great abundance. Now, verse 13, Now Johanan, the son of Kareah, and all the commanders of the forces that were in the field came to Gedaliah at Mizpah and said to him, Are you aware that Balis, the king of the sons of Ammon, has sent Ishmael to take your life? But Gedaliah did not believe in them. They are coming to tell him that something is breeding. Balis is the king of uh, Ammon. He's the king of the Ammonites. And uh, of course, they had a relationship with Gedaliah that was good. He had some backing with them. He, had, he, he was a man who tried to keep peace yeah, with those around him. Now, the fear that the Ammonite king has, this man, uh, Balis, is that... This state of Judah, if it keeps safe, if it keeps under the command of Gedaliah, who represent, represents Babylon, then it's a problem for, for his own country, for his own Ammonite. So, he's concerned that the, the people of Judah might go back, Gedaliah will give them a good life, he will try to stabilize them, then, as they've always had issues with the, um, the Ammonites and the Israelites, they've already had their wars. He would be empowering these Israelites to probably one day go back and attack him. So what does this Ammonite king do? He deals with Ishmael. Yeah? He tells them 
I want to make you independent, free from from uh, Babylon, also free from Gedaliah. He's not even in the line of David and his king. You guys should get into this, yeah? And it's hard to imagine what was going on in this Ammonite king's head. And uh, for him to tell Ishmael to go and take, probably they also had the other deals, uh, benefits economically, military engagements, and all those things they had dealt with or spoken of with uh, Ishmael, that you go take over, then we shall have a good relationship between the Ammonites and the people of Judah. Now, this is the warning that is given to Gedaliah. They are telling him, the Ammonite king has set up Ishmael to come and kill you. But this man as he is, Gedaliah, he's quite peaceful in his nature. He says, no, that's not true. You are lying. So, Johanan spoke secretly to Gedaliah, saying, let me go and kill Ishmael for you. And not a man will know. Why should he take your life so that the Jews who are gathered to you would be scattered? Yeah, and the remnant of Judah would perish. Because remember, if Gedaliah dies, it's a message still that goes back to Nebuchadnezzar. And he will come and scatter them afresh because they are killing his envoys, those he has sent. But still Gedaliah would not allow this thing to happen. Do not do this thing for you are telling a lie about Ishmael. That's what he's saying. Saying, Johanan, you're lying. It's not true. He can't kill me. Chapter 41, which we shall close with today. In the seventh month, Ishmael of the royal family, the son of Nathaniah, the son of Elishama, of the royal family, and one of the chief officers of the king, along with ten men, came to Mizpah to Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam. While they were eating bread together there in Mizpah, Ishmael and the ten men who were with him arose and struck down Gedaliah with a sword and put to death one the one whom the king of Babylon had appointed over the land. Ishmael also struck down all the Jews who were with him, that is, with Gedaliah at Mizpah, and the Chaldeans who were found there, the men of war. So they have killed him. The warning he took for granted has come to pass. Ishmael has come with the influence of the Ammonite king, and he has killed him, and even those that he found there. Now it happened on the next day, after the killing of Gedaliah, when no one knew about it. These guys did it in a very professional manner that people didn't even know that their governor or their leader has been killed. So on the next day, when no one knew about it, 80 men came from Shechem, from Shiloh, and from Samaria with their beards shaved off and their clothes torn and their bodies gushed, having grain offerings and incense in their hands to bring to the house of the Lord. Then Ishmael went out from Mizpah to meet them, weeping as he went, and as he met them, he said, Come to Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam. Yet it turned out that as soon as they came inside the city, Ishmael and the men that were with him slaughtered them and cast them into the cistern. What they've done, they know, okay, people are going to find out what we did. They are trying to hide the truth. But how long will they hide it? So they are saying these people have come to worship, 80 of them, let, let us kill them too. Because they are going to spread word out that Gedaliah is dead. 
and we will be the ones who are responsible because we are the ones who did it. So they killed these 80 men also. Now, these are their fellow Jews, by the way. These are not even people from Babylon or Babylonians. These are their fellow Jews, brothers and sisters. So they kill them and throw them in. These cisterns we talked about, remember the cisterns were deep enough, 100 feet and more. So if you have a cistern that can fit 80 bodies, that implies they were really deep. Yeah. So they kill them and throw them there. They are trying to hide the truth, but the truth cannot be hidden for long. You know, sometimes we try to hide the truth, but you can't hide it. It will come out. It will finally come to light. So, but ten men who are found among them say to Ishmael, Do not put us to death, for we have stores of wheat, barley, oil, and honey hidden in the field. So he refrained and he did not put them to death along with their companions. Now, there are some who are wise. They say, let's offer this man uh, something good. Hmm? I think he's a man who wants things, property. So they tell him, we shall give you this now. He didn't kill those. Now as for the cistern where Ishmael had cast all the corpses of the men whom he had struck down because of Gedaliah, it was the one that King Asa had made on account of Basha, king of Israel. And... Uh, then Ishmael took captive all the remnant of the people who were in Mizpah, the king's daughters, and all the people who were left in Mizpah, yeah, whom Nebuzaradan, the captain of the bodyguard, had put under the charge of Gedaliah. Ishmael took them captive and proceeded to cross over to the sons of Ammon. He has done his job. He says, now everybody who is here, who has left here, those of you here in Mizpah, come, let us go. We are taking you to Ammon. Yeah? But Johanan and all the commanders of forces that were with him heard of the evil that Ishmael had done. So they took all the men and went to fight with Ishmael. And they found him by the great pool that is in Gibeon. Now as soon as all the people who were with Ishmael saw Johanan and the commanders that were with him, they were glad. These are the people that Ishmael is taking captive. When they see these guys coming, they are happy. I said, oh, finally we have somebody who is coming to save us from this trouble. So all the people whom Ishmael had taken captive turned around and came back and went to Johanan. But Ishmael, the son of Nathaniah, escaped from Johanan with 80 men and went to the sons of Ammon. Yeah, they've gone where they were sent from in, in, the, in, in the start by the king of Ammon. Then Johanan, and all the commanders that were with him took from Mizpah all the remnant of the people whom he had recovered from Ishmael. And after he had struck down Gedaliah, that is the men who were soldiers, the women, the children, and the eunuchs from whom he had brought back from Gibeonah. And they went and stayed in Geroth, which is beside Bethlehem, in order to proceed into Egypt because of the Chaldeans. For they were afraid of them since Ishmael had killed Gedaliah whom the king of Babylon had appointed. Of course, they have to run because they know we've done trouble. Gedaliah is dead. If they get to know about this, which they are going to at Babylon center, Nebuchadnezzar is going to send an army that will destroy all of us. So what is the decision they take? They say, let us go into Egypt and run from this which is going to happen to us. These are people of God. These are men and women 
that God saved. His firstborn. And this whole journey begins from Egypt, where they are saved from the slavery in Egypt, torture in Egypt. They are brought out, they cross the Red Sea, go through the wilderness, given this land. And they have to dwell in it, a land that we are told flows with milk and honey. That is their place. And years and years later, they don't take that blessing that God placed in their hands. They rebel against God. They disobey God. They don't do that, what he say, that which he says them to do. They don't respect and honor the word of the Lord. So they are sent into captivity. And as a result of all things that come with the captivity, they end up going back, making a plan to return to Egypt, the first place where they were captors, where they, where they were capt- captives. And now that's where they're running to for refuge. God brought them from Egypt to give them a blessing, but they're running back to Egypt to seek refuge. When we don't listen to God, when we don't do that which God tells us to do, when we don't obey the Lord, we expose ourselves to getting back to the first place of captivity. God saved you from a terrible life. God saved you from captivity. And then when you go out after you've been saved and live a reckless life, you go back into that captivity. And this time it's worse because you might not just not get back from it. Israel, Judah at that, is planning to return to Egypt to protect themselves from the wrath that is coming from Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, because of what Ishmael has done to kill his appointed governor over the land. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your direction. We pray that you help us learn. May we always do that which you want us to do. May we always honor you and stand for you all the days of our lives. May we always be an example for you. And Lord, when you've saved us, for Lord you have, let us listen to you that we don't eventually plunge back into captivity, going back where we came from. Help us, Lord, and stand with us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.